Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. along, it's Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. No Chris Carlin today. We have the lovely Courtney Cronin filling in. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight as the Sixers host the Heat. Presented by Indeed, coverage begins at 6.30 Eastern on most ESPN stations. Now, Courtney, today is NFL schedule release, so we got a lot of news coming out with the NFL schedule leaks. But before we get to that, we do have to give an update on the Jerry Judy arrest. This per our ESPN insider Adam Schefter, Arapaho Sheriff's, announced that Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy is being held at the Arapahoe County Jail on charges of second-degree criminal tampering with a domestic violence enhancer, a misdemeanor charge. He is on a no-bond hold. He's innocent until proven guilty. So that is where we are with that. Any updates, we will continue to keep you posted. But we got a little bit of news on the Broncos front. On a lighter note, Russell Wilson doesn't have to wait long to make his debut back in Seattle in a Broncos uniform because that is the first Monday night week one game. That's what we got. Week one, Monday night, Russell Wilson going back to Seattle. Does he get cheered or does he get booed by Seahawks fans? There's no way he can get booed. He's such a nice guy. Has anybody ever said anything bad about Russell Wilson? Yeah, like, they said he's corny, but that's about it. That's not That's not the worst thing. I've been called worse. Um I think that he has done so much for that team, took him to, you know, Super Bowls, did a lot in the community. He's a stand-up guy. He's a great teammate. Like, I can't see that crowd in Seattle. I mean, first off, they're not like a hostile crowd anyways. It'd be different if you're, like, in a place where fans hate you if you're not there, like maybe like a Philadelphia crowd, for example. But um, I think that they will probably give him an ovation. You know, he left because – the pieces weren't there around him. They kind of hung him out to drive with the way that they did not address the offensive line and realizing that Russell, at this point of his career, is such a tremendous athlete still, but like he's mm-hmm. running for his life back there. So I think that fans, at least the smart ones, realize that the team probably didn't do enough to help him stay there. So they can't be mad when he comes back and he's wearing a different uniform and he went and got an awesome contract with the Denver Broncos via the trade. Um, I think that they'll give him – an ovation. Maybe, okay. even the C- maybe even the Seahawks will make a video. Who knows? Wow. So, Russell Wilson getting an ovation when he goes back to Seattle in a Broncos uniform. Really interesting. What's also interesting, Courtney, is what kind of reception the Sixers are going to get if they get closed out on their home court tonight against the Miami Heat. And for more on that situation, Game 6 between Heat and Sixers, we got the guy that's going to be on the call, ESPN Radio NBA analyst, our favorite coach, P.J. Carlissimo. He's on the call with Kesty tonight, Mark Kestisher. And, P.J., it's always great to have you on our show. And I wanted to ask you this. How do you explain – the effort level that we saw from the Sixers in game five down in Miami because Doc Rivers was on the sidelines in the first half of that game 
begging his team in a timeout to give more effort. How do you get to that place as a team? If you're a head coach, how could you find yourself in that situation? Well, it just uh, for, uh, first of all, hi, Chris and Courtney. I thought you had me on to talk about Russell Wilson. I've lived in Seattle since 07, 08, so I thought I'd be the perfect one. But um, you guys don't want to hear about it, so I'll just I'll, I'll jump into basketball. Um, can't explain it. Doc can't explain it. We, there's an expression uh, used it when we talked uh, when Kessie and I and uh, John Madani were talking to Doc this morning at their practice facility, and I said, Doc, like how many times it be, you don't coach effort? Um, even if sometimes you have to get on people or, you know, that's part of your job if you think it's kind of a lackluster effort, you, you can get on them. But it, it's really difficult, particularly on a professional level, to coach effort. Now, when you say on top of that, it's game five in a conference semifinal and you're on the road, I mean, you can make the point that game five is usually the pivotal game in, in, in a lot of series uh, in the NBA. It's inexcusable uh, and really, really difficult to explain. I, I don't think in the players' minds they weren't playing hard, but there was no comparison with the energy that, that – the Heat were playing and the way the, the Sixers were playing. I'll give Joel a tiny bit of a pass because he was playing okay. He wasn't playing like MVP candidate Joel Embiid before he got that. You know, it was just an unfortunate play. Deadman swung down, uh, hit the ball. I actually thought when we watched it live, he put his finger in his eye the way Joel reacted. But it was the ball against the mask and against that, you know, very, very tender and painful injury. And he looked even less like an MVP candidate from that point on. But again, uh, game five, no, uh, astounding, to be honest with you. Uh, you just you don't get that kind. I don't give Golden State any kind of pass for last night, but they're, they're up one. They weren't playing with the desperation that you would think the Sixers would have been playing with the other, you know, uh, whenever that was, two nights. I've lost track of time. I guess it was Tuesday night. Um, so it was uh, really, really hard to explain. I think Doc was still at a loss when we talked to him today. Uh, you know, it's one of those things as a coach where you feel you need to look at the tape because that's the right thing to do. But in the old days when you had film and you actually had, you know, a, a piece of evidence, you would throw it away. I mean, they had the expression. It was a true expression. It's a regular season game. You wouldn't have bothered looking at it in the playoffs. You got to, you know, cover every base you can. So I'm, Doc looked at it. It had to be painful. And then, uh, you know, flushed it. Uh, and that's, again, that's one of the things in the playoffs that's really important to do is to flush the last game and to move on. I mean, you, you hopefully learn from it. But it, it's unique because all year, you, very seldom do you play the same team twice in a row, much less potentially seven times in a row. Uh, and it's really, it's just a different, totally different mindset than the regular season. And the number one thing that you got to bring to the table is that effort and that intensity because the playoffs are played at a different level. You know, and people kind of snicker when you say that. I go, what are you talking about? It's a different level. Uh, it's more physical. Uh, the games are more meaningful. Some people thrive on that. Some people really struggle because the games are so important and so meaningful. And the number one thing that you have to bring to the table before you even talk about X's and O's and what you're going to do is that intensity level. And for whatever reason, it was not there um, for the Sixers on Tuesday night. Does Joel Embiid need to play at an MVP level tonight in order for this team to force a Game 7? 
pretty close to it, Courtney. I, I hate to put that on anybody, but you don't mind putting it on that, you know, the best player on the team. Uh, you know, like to, to put it on Tyrese Maxey is unfair. First of all, he's had a great series, a, a great playoffs. He struggled the other night, but I wouldn't put that on a second-year guy and say, oh, Maxey's got to be great for the Sixers to win. That's not fair. For Joel Embiid, yeah, it's fair. For him or James Harden or for, uh, you know, uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, even Bam, even though he's younger. For the best players, the guys, that's why those guys make that kind of money because they're expected to play consistently, night in and night out, and they're consistent to perform in the big games better than, better than other people. That's why uh, they are who they are. That's why they're MVPs. That's why they're all-stars. Uh, so, yeah, Joel, Joel has to play at a, not a good level, at an MVP level, I think, for the Sixers to win. I would not be shocked if he does, and I would not be shocked if the Sixers win. This series, and I hadn't uh, looked at it. I, I kind of had like my little cheat sheet where I've got all the playoffs strung together, and I was doing the chronological one the, uh, yes, last night. And I, last night was the 19th and 20th games of the four series. Each series has, has had five games. 16 times the home team has won. That's really unusual in the modern-day NBA. And I guess in the old days, it happened a lot. Um, 16 times the home team has won two of the series. This one uh, and Dallas-Phoenix, the home team has won every game. And the Golden State-Memphis game, which we had series, we had game one, which Golden State won. The home team's won the next four. And then the only series where it's not true is Milwaukee and Boston. And that's the opposite. The, the visiting team has won three games. So go figure. This series probably even more so than Dallas and Phoenix. The games have been really one-sided. The three-point shot has been a major factor. And for whatever reason, the Sixers can't shoot. And, Testy, what's the name of the, the FTX? I'm going to say it right. In FTX mm-hmm. Arena. And, and the Heat can't shoot uh, in Wells Fargo. So it's been a bizarre series in terms of home and away play from teams that you know, had really good regular seasons, and you would never expect them to struggle the way they've both struggled on the road so far. Well, Coach, we appreciate you hopping on with us, and we hope you enjoy the call tonight. We look forward to talking to you again real soon. CC, I will. And by the way, they're going to cheer for Russell when he's introduced. The rest of the game, <laughs> he's a Bronco man, and they're going to be booing him just like they boo all the Broncos when you come into Seattle. All right, there you go. You heard it from Coach. That's what Russell Wilson has to look forward to. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight as the Sixers host the Heat, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 6.30 Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. On deck next, how much will the outcome of Game 6 determine Doc Rivers' future in Philly? Courtney and I will weigh in on that. You're listening to ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Rocking with Courtney Cronin today. Chris Carlin is on mancation. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Canty and Carlin with Courtney Cronin today. And, you know, we've got the quota on how many co-hosts we can have with C's as initials. But... 
Courtney, one of the things we have to look at is what's happening with the Sixers in the Heat series. Game six, shifting back to Philadelphia, Wells Fargo Center. And Doc Rivers has been somebody that a lot of people have talked about in connection with the Los Angeles Lakers job if he happens to be fired by the Philadelphia 76ers. And so I do think it's a legitimate question is what the future of Doc Rivers in Philadelphia is. A lot of people in Philadelphia, Sixers fans, wanting Doc Rivers to be fired. They want his head on a platter coming into the playoffs. We felt like it was going in that direction after dropping down 0-2 to the Miami Heat, but they did climb back in the series. They won the two games at home, only to be embarrassed in Game 5 at FTX Arena. So my question to you is this. If the Sixers lose Game 6 and are eliminated from the playoffs tonight on their home court, do you see a world where Doc Rivers is the head coach going into next season? I think it's only if it's a close loss tonight. Like, if they get blown out and if they get embarrassed back-to-back games, 120-85 the other night, and I know Doc Rivers threw up his hands and couldn't explain it, the lack of effort that his team came out with. And, of course, at the end of the day, we all know that falls on coaching, right or wrong. But if it happens again tonight, then he's not the head coach tomorrow. If it's a close loss, though, I think that he's still able to keep his job because there's so many built-in excuses here, Chris. They weren't Mm -hmm. even playing with Joel Embiid in the first two games of the series. And you can argue that the adjustments, I mean, of course, Joel coming back to the lineup certainly helps in game three, but the adjustments that Doc Rivers made having, you know, putting Danny Green in those positions to score a bunch of threes to get them back into, you know, fighting contention here in the series, that he built up some goodwill, I think, with with Daryl Morey, the general manager in the front office, and certainly, you know, others within the Philadelphia 76ers organization. So it's got to be the hardest-fought dogfight this Philadelphia 76ers team has ever been in if it is indeed a loss tonight in order for Doc Rivers to keep his job. But if they have anything other than 110% effort tonight, he's out the door tomorrow. Yeah, I I just – I can't imagine – I mean, it's got to be the closest of close games. You're talking about losing at the buzzer to the Miami Heat. It has to be in that fashion, even for Daryl Morey and Sixers ownership to entertain keeping Doc Rivers. Because, Courtney, if you look at the landscape of the Eastern Conference and the teams that are true title contenders, Doc Rivers is not a better coach than those team, those coaches that you're going to be going up against. You're looking at Eric Spolstra from the Miami Heat. Doc Rivers is not a better coach than Spo. Doc Rivers is not a better coach than what we've seen from Coach Budenholzer. Is Doc Rivers a better coach than Ime Adoko in his first year? I can't say that he is. I mean, you could make the argument that Doc Rivers isn't a better coach than Nick Nurse. So if you're the Philadelphia 76ers organization, you're looking at the teams that are at the top of the Eastern Conference, the teams that you're going to have to go through in order to win a championship. You're, you're, You're going to be in a deficit from a coaching perspective in a lot of those series. So not only do your players have to beat the opponent, but they've got to overcome, you know, being at a coaching deficit with the guy that they've got on their sideline. So that's one of the concerns I have with Doc. The other one you mentioned, Joel Embiid not available at the beginning of this series because of the the fracture in his face and then, of course, the concussion symptoms. The reason why Joel Embiid had that was what happened in game six. You know, the series against the Toronto Raptors where, where they, they were up 3-0 and, and they should not have been playing. And first of all, he shouldn't have been. And the other part of that is, Courtney, he shouldn't have been in the game. 
You got a 20-plus point lead. Why is Joel Embiid still in the game where he can get hit in the face by Pascal Siakam? All of those decisions fall at the feet of Doc Rivers, which is why I think you can make the case that Doc Rivers should not be the coach going into next year because you could probably find a coach that you can do better with. So I'm not saying that Doc is, is the worst, but in terms of where Doc is right now in today's NBA and where you are in, in the conference that you play in, Philadelphia has to take a strong look at their head coaching spot if they do get closed out and they lose tonight on their home court. And you have to wonder, has this team reached its ceiling with Doc Rivers as their head coach? I know he hasn't been there very long. Like We have like a two-season sample size, and that doesn't feel like that's enough to judge somebody in a vacuum, but – history looking at other teams that he's coached other you know three one leads that have been blown it was something that was talked about in the first round series against Toronto yes they did get out of that series but mm-hmm. where they're at right now this is a closeout game tonight no doubt they lose and you know it's a team that you know was in the Eastern Conference Finals last year and just everything that they did this offseason to try to make their chances better of getting to the NBA Finals like, some of that falls on coaching, some of that's on your personnel, but at the end of the day, there's always a fall guy, Chris. We know this. Like, it's no all, doubt. And it always falls on coaching. Like, James Harden is going to be good whether he ends up – like, no matter what happens with his contract situation and whether he hits free agency or whether he ends up staying and signing a max with the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid's going to be good either way. All these yep. other players are going to be good. And even and to a degree, Doc Rivers is probably going to be good because he's I linked hope, right uh, now to oh, the Phil- to Los Angeles it. Lakers don't opening. Speak it, Your Courtney. Los don't Angeles Lakers. It. Sorry for it. sorry for saying that here on the air, but um, you know, at the end of the day, there's always someone. There's all the the bill comes due. Responsibility has to be taken, and most times that ends up falling on the coaches, right or wrong. And I do feel like if this is a game that looks similar to what happened on Monday night, that Doc Rivers' future in Philadelphia is, is short-lived. All right, let's go out to the CC call-in line and bring on Roy in San Antonio. Roy, you're on ESPN Radio. 30 seconds to make your case on Doc Rivers. What you got? All right, look, I'm a veteran and a truck driver. I'm tired of these guys putting all this weight on these coaches. These guys get paid too much money to not play. James Harden, I don't know what's wrong with him. One night he didn't want to do nothing. All of a sudden he got energy. He's 32 years old. Come on, man. You should be playing hard every single game. Your boy got punched in the face. He's still playing. And he's still hurting. That's not right. Doc Rivers is a decent person. What can he? What else can he do? Play the, play the game for him? They get paid too much. Let them guys play. They're making him look bad. All right, there it is from Roy's perspective. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because the series seems so one-sided even without Joel Embiid. The games in Miami weren't even competitive. And I'm sorry, Courtney, coaching in a lot of instances is trying to help your players overcome the adversity that they face. And we saw that that's not something that Doc Rivers did early on in this series, which in part led to where they're down and facing elimination in game six. Coming up next... All these rumors around Phil Jackson and how he feels about LeBron James, does that signal the start of a Lakers rebuild? We'll talk to somebody that's in the know that gives us the update on what's happening in L.A. You're listening to Candy and Carlin with Courtney Cronin filling in. We're on ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Courtney Cronin filling in for the big fellow. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. What do your home and auto have in common? They're yours, and Progressive protects them both. Bundled today at Progressive.com. How much will the outcome of Game 6 determine Doc Rivers' future in Philadelphia? For more on that, we bring on ESPN NBA reporter Ramona Shelburne. And Ramona, it's great to have you on the show. We appreciate a few minutes of your time. And as a Lakers fan, I got to get right to it because there are rumors out there that Phil Jackson and the Lakers organization could potentially be interested in Doc Rivers should he be fired by the Philadelphia 76ers. So the first part of the question is, what exactly is the job status of Doc Rivers with the Sixers? And could this be a plausible alternative for the Los Angeles Lakers when it comes to their head coaching search? So I see why all those dots are out there and why people want to connect them. I get it, right? Like people people see that. I think I, I did a story on all the coaches that Phil Jackson had influenced two years ago when the last dance came out and, and – Nick Nurse was one of them. Doc Rivers was one of them, right? Like Phil's kind of, you know, he talks to a lot of a lot of coaches because he's got eleven rings, and that's 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 his status in the game. I, I will say I don't think Doc Rivers' job is in jeopardy. I know that's been out there, but I just I've I I've unless people lie to my face, I don't I don't see it. I think he's gonna be back there next year. Um, and they, I mean they won a first round series, right? He's you know, people are really excited to see what would happen, not just the end of this year, but if Doc is Doc and James and Joel and Tobias and the Tigers vaccine, if they all get another year together where they have a full a full year together where they can work on things, like they feel like that's going to be the best version of this team because this has all just been thrown together in two and a half. So I don't, I don't think Doc's available. I know he's under contract, and I don't think he will be available. I think he's fine no matter what happens tonight, but – I'm going to give you this caveat. Anything can happen in the NBA. And so people, people lie to you until they don't lie to you. Right. So I don't want to say never say never, but I don't see that happening based on every call I've made. Ramona, there's been a lot made about the power structure and the influence within the Los Angeles Lakers organization. There was um, an article that came out from the Los Angeles Times, a sit-down with owner Jeannie Buss, about who she's yep. listening to in this coaching search as they try to move forward here. And I know that Phil Jackson and his relationship with LeBron James has not been the best uh, over the last few years, and apparently he is still a trusted voice and an advisor for Jeannie Buss. How do you see this playing out with LeBron's future in Los Angeles, if Phil Jackson is indeed pulling a lot of strings behind the scenes for their to find their next head coach? So I would describe Phil's role with the Lakers as a, a consult, okay? Um, I don't think he, he definitely does not have any official role. He's, from from what I understand, he's in Montana right now. Like, he's not in the war room with him, right? He's, he's, at, his, uh, he's at his place on the lake, okay? Um, 
But he and Jeannie Buss have stayed really good friends, and they talk all the time. Uh, if you remember, they were engaged to be married a, a few years ago. Um, and I know that she she is the type of owner who likes to collaborate, right? She likes to call people whose opinion she trusts. She likes to bounce things off people. I know a handful of people that, that Jeannie would like, to, that Jeannie talks to when she's like sort of feeling things out. Like, what do you think? And it, it's actually very similar to the way her dad used to run the franchise, which is like trust your basketball people and, and have a few people who you bounce things off of. He had a couple of business friends who he would, he would speak with. I think a lot of owners are like this. They have, you know, people they, whose opinion they trust, right? The difference is uh, most people's, con, you know, people they consult with don't have 11 rings, <laughs> okay? They don't have the stature of Phil Jackson or Magic Johnson and the late Kobe Bryant, who was another person that Jeannie would consult with. And, and I think that's, you know, partially just why this became a story. Uh, having covered the Lakers the last, like, 10, 15 years, like, Phil's always kind of been involved. Even when, even when he was not involved, he was involved, right, because they're friends. And they, he's friends with Kurt Rambis and Linda Rambis and everybody else, and Rob Palenka. And, and, and he's just a, he's a part of the Laker family. So I don't know. How, how big a story is it? It's big because it's Phil Jackson. But is it any different than it's been the last five years? And, and frankly, like, even when LeBron came to the Lakers, they were friends, you know. So I don't – I know that LeBron and Phil haven't seen that, you know, haven't – I've had the best relationship, but nothing Phil says about LeBron is going to make Jeannie Buss do anything. It's just, it would just be his opinion, right? Um, it's just a, some, like a, a, a good opinion that you listen to and you, and you take in for what it's worth. But, you know, how, you know, how can you pull strings from Montana? Talking with ESPN NBA reporter right. Ramona Shelburne. And, Ramona, we're up against it, so I want this answer 30 sure. seconds or less. What happens with yeah. Kyrie Irving this offseason between him and the Brooklyn Nets? They turned the table on him yesterday, didn't they? they um, sure that did. was an interesting leverage play, and they're trying to reset the culture in Brooklyn. Um, I think they just put the ball in his court. You know, it kind of sounded like they would like him to opt into his player option, and uh, and we'll see what happens with what type of extension is offered. But um, they kind of said, "We're doing our thing. You let us know if you want to be a part of it." And that was a very different message than we had gotten for most of last year. No doubt about it. Ramona, we appreciate you jumping on with us. We'll talk to you again soon. Yep. Thank that's, you, guys. That's ESPN NBA reporter Ramona Shelburne giving us the latest on my Lakers. Also, what's going on with Doc Rivers and the Kyrie Irving saga. Up next, has Giannis become the new gatekeeper of the Eastern Conference? Courtney and I will weigh in on it. You're listening to ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Courtney and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. And Courtney, last night the Warriors were a no-show in Memphis and the Grizz took care of their business, avoiding elimination in Game 5, beating Golden State 134 
to 95. The Grizz led by as many as 55, but ultimately ended up having a 39-point margin of victory. Unless we just say that was an embarrassing performance by Golden State all the way around. Yeah, I mean, it was just unacceptable. It's a disrespectful to the game of basketball, and the way that they came out was C-minus effort. What do you expect? That's going to be the result because last I checked, Memphis was the two seed. They're 21-6 and six in games without John ja Morant. They've played without him. They've won without him. So, of course, they were going to find a way to get a win last night given the history that they've had and also just the disrespect that they probably felt at the hand of the Golden State Warriors by coming out that way. When someone gives you an inch, you go a mile, and that's what they did. Yeah, I mean, you can't come out before game five as if you're Steph Curry and say, our game plan is to whoop that trick, knowing that that's one of the anthems for the Memphis Grizzlies, and you think you're not going to be met with that same kind of energy in game five. But that's exactly what happened. And to your point, when you disrespect the game of basketball, you get beat down. You get an ass kicking. And that's what they got. And, and it reminds me of a time when I was playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Courtney, I think it was 2006, the fourth game of the season. We're on the road against the division opponent in the Philadelphia Eagles. And you know playing at the link is never easy for an NFC East rival. And yet, because we had such a good football team, we thought that we were going to roll our helmet out there and beat up on the Eagles. Now, we ended up losing that game 38-24. to But I can tell you this, as a member of the Dallas Cowboys, it felt like we lost 50 to nothing. And what's most memorable about that game is not the actual game, but the meeting that we had as a defensive line the next day because Donovan McNabb threw for over 300 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions. And I remember my defensive line coach, Casey Rogers, who's now the defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the first thing that he starts our film session with is, I got friends watching this tape, and y'all are embarrassing me. Y'all are trying to get me fired. But let me let you know this. If I get fired, I'm taking some of y'all down with me. And I never thought that that would be the tone of a conversation in an NFL meeting where I'm getting coached up watching game film. Just never thought it would happen, but that was the case. And it's crazy to think that that was the world that we lived in. But because it was such a bad performance by our team, our defensive line coach felt like he had to take it there. So needless to say, we didn't turn in any more stinkers like that one the rest of the year. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're listening to Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. I'm rocking with Courtney Cronin, who's filling in for Chris Carlin. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on Twitter at Courtney R. Cronin and at Chris Candy 99 And as always, tap in on the CC call-in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Is the Greek freak the new gatekeeper of the Eastern Conference? And Courtney, with the Bucks seemingly poised to win – this series against the Celtics, closeout game in game six on Saturday in Milwaukee, it just feels like 
the Eastern Conference, in order to get to the NBA Finals, has to go through Milwaukee. It has to go through Giannis. And it's he's the best player in the world. I don't know if there's anybody out there that wants to debate that. I get it that uh, Nikola Jokic won back-to-back MVPs, but nobody really thinks Jokic is a better player than Giannis. Giannis is the best player in the world, and he is coming off of an NBA title, and it seems poised to be able to defend that NBA title, at least being able to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. And so my question to you would be, if we do see Giannis win the East and get to the NBA Finals a second straight year, is he getting ready to go on a LeBron-esque run where you can get back to the NBA Finals and win your conference eight straight years? Are we setting the stage for that to potentially happen with Giannis's career? It feels like that, and when you talk about him being a gatekeeper in the Eastern Conference, maybe I'm a product of recency bias, but I kind of feel like he already is because I look around the rest of that conference, it's not Joel Embiid, it's not Kevin Durant, given what's happened the last two seasons, I can't point out anybody else other than Giannis as that person. And I know that they just won a title last year in order to cement yourself as that person. You got to do it again this this year and you got to get back to the finals in multiple years from here on out. Like That's what LeBron James did when he was with Cleveland. It's what he did when he was with the Miami Heat. You have to live up to that same sort of standard in order to maintain this title and this you know, chokehold on the rest of the Eastern Conference. But I feel like he's already that guy, not just because he is the best player in, on the planet right now. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. It's the two-time MVP awards that he's earned. It's the finals last year. It's how they've dominated th- throughout this postseason in spite of not necessarily being the best team by and large, during the regular season. They have Mm -hmm. that extra gear, and that's what Giannis gives them. So until somebody else is willing to come steal it from him, and maybe it is Boston. Like, I'll I'll come back on the show and and apologize next week. I know Chris Carlin said he doesn't apologize. I'll come back on here and say it. Um, Because, like, until further notice, it's Giannis's conference, and everybody else is just playing in it. Yeah, it feels like this series is somewhat of a coronation for Giannis. I get it that he won the championship last year, but being able to get through the Boston Celtics, to me, this is the Eastern Conference Finals. Whoever they meet in the Conference Finals, whether that's Miami or Philadelphia, I think it's a fait accompli that Milwaukee is going to dispatch them and get to the NBA Finals. But to me, if Giannis can get through Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown a year removed from being able to beat the Brooklyn Nets in a seven-game series with Kevin Durant. I I just feel like this is the moment where Giannis is being crowned the new king of the Eastern Conference. And we had that moment, a little bit of a moment last night with him getting the elbow from Pat Connaughton in the eye and the bleeding eye, but he knocks down the three-pointer. He's making game-winning plays at the end of game five. It just felt like one of those moments where it was iconic for Giannis and for the Milwaukee Bucks because they seize control of this series and it gives them a clearer path to get to a second consecutive NBA Finals. So I, I think this, is, this, is the, this has the potential. It has the potential to be a LeBron-esque run, but mm-hmm. it also gives me a newfound appreciation for what LeBron James did once upon a time going to four consecutive conference finals with the Miami Heat and then another four consecutive conference finals with the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's not easy to do, Amber, and that just shows you 
how great LeBron James has been to be able to stay healthy for that stretch of time and to play at the level that he did. Giannis has got a long way to go, but if we're looking at anybody in the landscape of the NBA, this is the guy that has the potential to do it. Yeah, I mean, he's had as many games with 40 or more points, 10 or more rebounds as the rest of the NBA combined over the last two postseasons. That's insane. Where, you know, you look at this list of names, it's Devin Booker, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, and then it's Giannis, 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 Giannis. Like, that, that's, a, that, that's starting, you know, that's, that's turning the car on in order for him to, you know, drive off here as the gatekeeper of the Eastern Conference and where everything's going to run through Milwaukee. The good thing is right now, I guess in terms of parity and being able to see more than just, like, one favorite in the East, because, right, like, Miami's the number one seed, and we barely talk about them like they are. So much disrespect. It is, and I think it's a good thing, because I like talking about a multitude of teams where the odds for teams making it to the finals and, and winning it are, are you know, a lot, a lot more. It's a lot more level playing field, which I think is good for the sport, because you're not talking about dynasties, uh at the same level that we were when LeBron was in Miami winning multiple championships and winning one with the Cavaliers. And, you know, his pedigree throughout his career is untouchable. And I don't honestly know that there's going to be a singular player, Giannis included, going to, what did you say, eight straight Mm -hmm. conference finals. I don't feel like that's possible when the rest of the league is where it's at right now and constantly changing. Think about when LeBron did that. That was 10 years ago. Yep. That was a different version of the NBA than we see today, where you know Giannis's game is different than when LeBron was at his prime at the peak of his career in you know the mid 2010s. But there's no one else right now, as I see it, that has this ability to be that guy other than Giannis, and I think that he'll you know. He'll remain the MVP in most people's eyes, and mm-hmm. I know that he was, you know, just a, a hair of a point shy from winning the scoring title this year. That shows you how how different the NBA is now, and just how stacked it is, and how close it is. But if it, you know, in order for this to happen, as we've seen, you know, Giannis went into monster mode last night, and, and yep. it was fantastic. But the support that he got from Drew Holiday, the support that he got from you know the rest of his supporting cast, including Bobby Portis, yep. the Milwaukee Bucks need to make sure that they retain that supporting cast and strengthen it over the years in order to best support Giannis so he can be that guy. Yeah, and I'm glad you pointed that out because one of the things that's important to look at when we compare what Giannis is potentially poised to do versus what LeBron James did in going to eight straight NBA Finals, LeBron James left the Miami Heat when you had Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and jumped to a car that was the Cleveland Cavaliers with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. So I'm not quite sure that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be able to have it teed up where when it becomes time to retool the supporting cast that Giannis will be able to stay pat and that they would be able to move all of the other pieces and bring back guys that can be those types of impact players in a Mm -hmm. supporting role. I just don't know that something like that is possible. And we've seen – that Giannis is not the type of player that wants to go anywhere else. Like, he decided that he was going to lock into a long-term contract before they won the championship last year. And now that he's proven that you can do it in Milwaukee, there's no reason that Giannis would ever leave. So, I, I just I, I think Giannis has the potential to do that, but that puts a lot of pressure on Coach Bud, and I think it also puts a ton of pressure on the Milwaukee Bucks organization to spend 
like they need to spend, but also to mortgage the draft picks like they need to. And they've shown the willingness to do that because they traded three draft picks for Drew Holiday. So we'll see if Giannis can live up to that. The gatekeeper of the Eastern Conference.